When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Death and the afterlife is one of the hardest things to talk about with people, for the simple fact that so much of it lives in the abstract. Talk to ten people in a room about what they think happens when we die, and you're likely to get ten different answers, all of which are the summation of that person's life experiences and personalities. To some, death is a glass-half-full endeavor, seen as the ultimate reward. For others, a waiting void of comfort and an end to worry. For others still, a pit of punishment for those they feel deserve such things. It's one of the most subjectively objective topics around. People believe so strongly in what they think happens after we die, yet no one has a shred of evidence or inclination of what could be considered tangible proof. For some, that's faith. Others see it as an indictment of the entire system. Which is why it's so interesting that the new zones found in the Shadowlands appear to embody all these various concepts of afterlife, placing them in their own unique little bubbles. In a way, it makes me think that the covenant choice that players make in order to join one of four groups doing their part to keep the Shadowlands working is actually some kind of Rorschach test. The one you initially choose, that gut reaction, may very well be the way you idealize the afterlife. Or not. It is just a video game after all, and some of you, I'm looking at my friend Andrew, are making your choice purely off of gameplay elements and min-maxing, and that's fine. Not everything has to be a super spherical, miracle, deep introspective into how you think. Thanks for joining me again this week on Essence of Azeroth, where we'll continue our journey across the zones of the Shadowlands, this week delving into the glowing blue majesty of Ardenweald and the macabre gothic atonement fest that is Revendreth. If you like what you've been hearing these last few weeks, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can also subscribe a monthly tithe to the podcast at our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash Azeroth podcast for as little as 99 cents a month, which goes a long way towards helping me continue the betterment of our bi-weekly work. Okay, uh, enough of the sales pitch. Druids, get excited because we're heading down into the deep, dark forest of forever and the garden of rebirth that is Ardenweald. This is Essence of Azeroth. It would be easy to look at Ardenweald as the de facto druid night elf segment of the Shadowlands expansion. After all, it's felt like 
every expansion has had a major aspect of it have something to do with the life side of the cosmic alignment chart and the night elves specifically. It doesn't help matters that the first thing players do upon landing an Ardenweald is do some cutesy fetch quests for a squeaky sprite and hang out with some of the night fae. But what I like about this approach is how it undersells the dark pragmatism at work in the beautiful, shimmering forests of the Shadowlands that has one of the most important jobs in the WoW afterlife, continuing the cycle of rebirth and renewal. At least, typically. As with the other zones, Ardenweald is fundamentally broken and suffering at a core level to perform their job of cultivating the spirits from one reality into life anew. The Warcraft Afterlives short following one such night fay responsible for tending to a grove holding the spirit of former wild god Ursok highlights just how broken things have become, as this grove tender is forced to give up on the bear god for the good of the whole. What should have been a story of rebirth becomes one of heartbreak, as one of the most prominent members of Azeroth's druid pantheon falls once more. Perhaps this is for the best, as it seems that since Wrath of the Lich King, that Ursok has fell on nothing but hard times, first losing control of the Grizzly Hills in Northrend and his former Firbolg clan worshippers, and of course, later falling to the corruption of the Legion and becoming a raid boss in the Legion expansion's Emerald Nightmare Raid. Things have not gone great for Ursok, and they didn't get any better once the Afterlife short came out, which I highly recommend you go see. But it's also in the game, and when you arrive in Ardenweald, you can speak to an NPC in order to see it. And while Ursok's tale ending is but one side to the coin, it highlights an aspect of life and death that maybe feels the most optimistic. Reincarnation and rebirth. Where Bastion was a place about removing the trauma of dying, and Maldraxxus about finding glory, both are about finding a place in the machine of the afterlife for those souls that have passed on. Ardenweald is different in that it shows a new side to the cycle of death that World of Warcraft players have seen for 15 years. There's an excellent like half-joke, half-lore implication by an NPC character while you're here who says they can smell the cycle of rebirth on you and referencing that they can tell you've died more than your fair share of times. Is the implication here that all WoW players' souls have gone through Ardenweald to be tended? Is the energy from this majestic forest part of the cycle that keeps WoW's adventurers going? That's all conjecture on my part, so don't think too hard about it. But it's a thought nonetheless. Regardless, the picture painted with Ardenweald is a beautiful one, one of rebirth and hope and potential. And it's impossible to speak about all of those aspects without talking about another aspect. A dragon god aspect that players had a hand in falling. Isera, the queen of the green dragon flight. The story of Ardenweald is also the story of Isera, but also highlights how the cosmic order of Warcraft runs. The most treasured, important souls are tended and taken care of because they all serve greater purposes. Ysera's corruption story is similar to that of Ursok, but with wider implications to those still alive on Azeroth. The green dragonflight is in disarray from the death of their mother, a death that felt wholly avoidable. 
In a weird way, the Ardenweald storyline is the most hopeful and optimistic story we've seen in a while in World of Warcraft. The entire chain almost feels like the Wizard of Oz, with the player off to see the wizard and ask for the gift of the kingdom to heal your friend, the Great Green Dragon. The Winter Queen, head of the Night Fae and the entity responsible for keeping things running around Ardenweald, is an interesting figure because she may very well be the first old one that players have directly seen and interacted with in-game. There's no solid proof of this yet, but the Winter Queen makes a very Mean Girls-esque snap about the revival of Isera, calling the dragon, quote-unquote, her sister's pet. Is she referring to Elun? It could be given that Isera's death triggered the player gaining the Tears of Elun in Legion, so all signs would point to maybe. Regardless, it's a first hint at those who came before the Pantheon, which seems to be more and more where the story of Warcraft is heading. I think we'll be looking hard at Ardenweald as more of the story and lore come forward. There's a lot of mystery still left there, and we also don't know about the coming raids past Castle Nathria that may be appearing, and it's entirely possible that Ardenweald still has something to give. Tyrannus Scathe is a very large area off to the western side of the continent, and there's a lot more there than just a dungeon, I think. Not to mention that the other side just happens to be tucked into a dead grove down in the southeast part of the map. Curious that Buonsamdi would choose to hide his pocket dimension there. Hmm. But enough of that. Let's go hang out with some goth kids that are weirdly invested in the idea of atonement. It's time to venture down into Revendreth. One of my favorite television shows is the Buffy the Vampire spinoff, Angel. I've always connected more with the brooding vampire with a soul because it actually felt like he had a tangible goal in mind, and not just living his life until it gets snuffed out like Buffy seemingly felt like she was doing for seven years. Atonement is a goal. A journey. If ever there was a thing that was about the steps taken and not the final destination, it's absolution. Of course, the Warcraft way of atonement takes a different spin while also giving players their first look at where some of the biggest lore figures went after dying. Leave the sunscreen at home. We're in Revendreth. I think the biggest fear that most people have about the afterlife is based on the idea of whether or not they were a good person, or what counts as something that requires atonement. When you're young, it's a very binary, black-and-white concept. All bad things are equally bad. All good things are equally good. Another kid taking the crayon you were using without asking is just as harsh a sin as if they were to break your stuff, to steal, or to hurt somebody. And then as we grow older, it's almost like the complete reverse happens. Suddenly, we're stuck pondering the moral implications of every single small thing we do, and wondering if our total good deeds are more than the times we've allowed ourselves to be dirtbags. 
Not to keep bringing up the good place in this podcast, but I always think about the point tallies shown to the departed when they arrive, tabulating everything that makes up a life. But even past the mental strain that comes along with trying to figure out if that time you didn't pick up your phone when your parents called versus all the times you held open a door for a stranger counts for anything, the idea of atonement is a driving force in almost everyone's fear or apathy of the afterlife. This is especially interesting when it comes to Christianity because, quite honestly, it's an aspect that's lost the plot. What used to be an almost heretical thought 50 years ago, there's growing theological sentiment behind the idea that there isn't any hell at all. And before you start trying to cite Bible verses talking about lakes of fire and hellfire and brimstone, I'll stop you right there. After all, this is a Warcraft podcast and not a theology debate. But it doesn't change the fact that a lot of people put vested interest in the afterlife because of its potential for punishment. Both to punish our own sins, but to punish the sins of those throughout our lives that seemingly slighted us. And Revendreth is all about that. As soon as your character arrives, there's an almost cheerfulness that a potential torture subject has arrived to be cleansed. They even give you a nice little tour as if you're going to a day spa. However, what I think is so interesting about Revendreth is that this perceived pleasure at the suffering of others isn't done with malice. I believe that the vampire-like Vinthir that make up Revendreth legitimately want to help the souls that come through their patch of the Shadowlands. Yes, these sins are turned into anima that keeps the lights on all across the entirety of the afterworld, but it's almost like those that come out on the other side of their sinstone being wiped clean makes you better than everyone else. It's almost like rising up the ranks of a caste system with the Vinthir being at the top. Of course, that plot gets twisted all around, with the Jailer interfering with the natural order of the Shadowlands, as the leader of Revendreth uses the sin-absolving animus machines to actually power the potentially evil machinations of them all. After all, Castle Nathria appears to be home of some of the worst Azeroth had to offer, including one Garrosh Hellscream. The former Horde Warchief is not looked upon fondly by players due to being the focus of objectively one of the worst expansions or subjectively or both look it, it, pandaria wasn't a good time <laughs> as i say as somebody who actually likes the um invasion of argomar raid it's a really well designed raid with some really great encounters i just wish it didn't involve everything that happens with garrosh in mists of pandaria However, learning that the likes of Garrosh and Kael'thas Sunstrider are being used as literal batteries by the Turncoat Vinthyr gives Revendreth some of the strongest lore hooks in the Shadowlands story so far. After all, it seems that nobody in WoW truly ever stays dead, and maybe in the lore sense this is a way to atone for some of the worst character assassination in the game's history. Doesn't everyone deserve another chance? Ask Angel. There's always multiple roads to atonement, though not all of them are a straight line. And so it is with humanity. Our lives are a never-ending series of ups and downs. Nobody is perfect, and one day's self-disgust is another day's triumph. I think it serves as a reminder that we can all try to just do the best that we can, and that if something in our past truly haunts us, then there's always some way to atone, even if we don't see it the right way. 
After all, if creatures like the Vinthyr can so strongly and truly believe in absolution, then I think that nobody is ever truly lost to darkness. Or maybe that's my inner wishful thinker talking. He doesn't get out much. Recent pop culture is filled with similar tales of a seemingly agenda-neutral version of hell. And that's what Revendreth is, if we're being honest. Hell. I'm most reminded of the Mike Carey DC Vertigo comic series Lucifer, which some of you may recognize as a Netflix detective drama before you do as a graphic novel. In it, Lucifer is more facilitator of punishment and less of a reveler in the misery of others. By and large, he doesn't actually care about the lives of any of the people that he interacts with unless it has something to do with getting him something that he wants. In fact, multiple times throughout this landmark comic of a run, the Morning Star just up and leaves hell entirely. One time, not even bothering to put someone else in charge. He just locks the gate and goes along his merry way. I get similar vibes from Rebendreth and its turncoat leader, Sire Denathrius. He strikes me as a person who turned because of boredom with the status quo, and not any particular need to upend the status of things. I think he's a lot like Sylvanas in the way that he's just tired, and he wants it all to end. And by it, he means literally everything. It would appear as though Sylvanas Windrunner's apathy with living isn't solely unique to her, but still doesn't allude to what the Jailer and his armies are up to as of yet. But it is early in the expansion, especially with today being only week four of the content rollout. Be sure to get your renown up. And despite my hatred of the zone itself, the layout is maddening, and I'm very over elevators. Despite that, Revendreth is a fascinating examination of what atonement means in a war crimes-fueled universe. I think it would have been easy to assume that anyone even remotely bad gets chucked into the mall. But as Revendreth shows, we can all be useful, even as we try to repent. I want to thank you all for joining me on this multi-episode travelogue through the Shadowlands. As the story and expansion progresses, we'll return to these lands and actually talk about the real meaty lore stuff going on, as well as provide some updates to questions that pop up to long-standing questions. Also, I'll say it right now, there's no way Sylvanas isn't the final raid boss of the Shadowlands. Sorry, Jailer, I think you're a red herring. Have a lore question for us? Visit our anchor.fm page and leave us an audio message that we'll play right here on the show. You can also follow along on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Azeroth podcast. With the year 2021 approaching, it will also be the time for the podcast to reconvene and start fresh. This will be the last full episode of the year, but expect some mini lore episodes to come between now and New Year's when we'll tackle forgotten quest lines, lost weapons, and smaller topics that don't need a half hour of discussion. I'm actually really looking forward to talking about, and this will probably be the first of these mini episodes, the missing class weapons of Vanilla WoW. If you're uh, an old-time priest player like me, then you automatically start thinking of Anathema and Benediction. Which I have. I'm a little shocked by it. (laughs) Until then, please remember to share and subscribe, and we'll see you in the new year. From Essence of Azeroth, have a happy holidays, and take care.
queen. Please help us. This is of my sister. Why have you brought it to me? This one is slipping away. Our duty is grim. Many have been lost. Why would I save her pet? <laughs>